I'm Bonnie Glazer, Director of the Asia Program at the German Marshall Fund of the United States. The topic of today's podcast is relations between China and Lithuania. Lithuania-China relations provide an interesting case study for understanding how Beijing deals with small states and, in particular, how it applies economic pressure to force target countries to change policies that are viewed by China as damaging to its interests. Tensions in Lithuania-China relations arise from numerous sources, including the decision by Vilnius to withdraw from the 17 plus 1 mechanism between China and the Central and East European countries, and Vilnius's agreement to allow Taiwan to establish a representative office there um, under the name Taiwanese Representative Office last year. We're going to dig into the drivers of Lithuania-China friction with Ambassador Diana Mitzgavicinje, um, who is currently Lithuania's ambassador to China. She's operating in exile from Vilnius. And in the course of our conversation, we'll explain the circumstances surrounding her departure from uh, China. So welcome to the China Global Podcast, Ambassador. Hello, hello, Bonnie. Nice to be speaking to you. So uh, let's start with, you know, a a little bit of history. When did tensions first emerge in Lithuania's relations with China? What was the trigger? And then what were the early lessons that Vilnius drew from that episode? Well, it's a really wide question. And there is quite a wide context to to the friction or disagreement we have had with China uh, after it had hit the headlines uh, last uh, July in August. Uh, but if you are asking me about the first friction, so I have to rewind uh, to at least uh, 2019, where we had uh, something that has happened in our capital city, which was an unauthorized protest by Chinese diaspora uh, people who have uh, turned violent, very confrontational with the protest of uh, Lithuanian uh, human rights defenders who were at that time um, having a a demonstration to support uh, Hong Kong uh, peaceful protests. So there was a scuffle, uh, the the Chinese side, which actually had an unauthorized uh, gathering because you need to apply for a a license to to be able to protest. Uh, You need to observe some rules like keeping the distance if you are counter-protesting to something. Well, in fact, they failed on both accounts. So they turned um, uh, violent also. The phones were knocked from the hands of of the Lithuanian protesters. The flags were knocked out. And to some extent, the country was shocked that this has happened on our soil, where we were so happily celebrating being democratic and and availing of those those rights that, that we think we have on our soil. So uh, then later on, we had several other episodes. Some of them have been named by you, like withdrawing from 17 plus one. But before that, also, we had our strategic decisions about submitting uh, the uh, investment into our only seaport to a very strict uh, scrutiny, which would, in fact, um, uh, disable Chinese participation. Uh, And then the decisions to sign an MOU on 5G cooperation with the U.S. So there were quite a number of issues that were adding to friction. And if you are asking me about the trigger, then I think the uh, announcement of the setting up uh, of Taiwanese office in Lithuania by Taiwan was that main trigger, after which the whole story hit the headlines. 
And after which the um, China asked uh, me to leave, and they have also recalled the, their own ambassador from Lithuania. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about the 17 plus one grouping. Why, from Lithuania's perspective, there were problems and it didn't meet expectations? And of course, Lithuania wasn't the only country that had complaints. And what, why didn't China respond more positively to these concerns expressed by your country and others? Well, it's, it's probably difficult for me to elaborate on why China uh, disregarded, because they have disregarded certain complaints we have had. Well, our main uh, priority in, in the 16 plus 1 initially, which later became 17 plus 1, was promotion of our exports. As you know, you know for decades, uh, at least two decades, we have had a disparity. We have had a, a really negative uh, trade deficit with, with Chinese exports coming to Lithuania and, and more or less 10 times bigger volumes than our own exports. Uh, and we've invested a lot in, in promoting that export. Uh, so, of course, uh, 16 plus 1 and joining it uh, when it was proposed to us was just one of the methods or means or instruments we thought maybe you know, useful, uh, opening up new contacts, especially uh, you know, with uh, Chinese institutions, uh, ministries and so on. And therefore, we've really invested in this track also. And uh, the main reason is that, well, we thought that the returns we're getting were just not enough to justify this. And uh, the resources we had to devote to this were exceeding uh, far, far, you know, the, the resources we have. We normally have like very few people working with China. We normally had one desk officer for China, you know, and for all of the issues. And then suddenly we realized that this 16 plus 1 grew into a, something extremely wide and unmanageable, devoting all the resources of the Asia team, you know, and yet not delivering. So it was, a, you know, a, a math, a bit of a math to, to be done and, and see that this was just not returning the resources we needed to invest. And the government was disappointed, and this was voiced a number of times, both on bilateral, uh, uh, you know, um, in bilateral talks. But the problem was that, you know, for small countries like us, probably it's different for our bigger countries. Um, we saw that our bilateral track was dying, and everything was suddenly becoming 16 or later 17 plus one. And at some point, it's not so nice to find ourselves, you know, raising bilateral issues in view of everybody else in the 17 group because you think it's a bilateral issue and they are different with each country. They are probably different priorities, a different, uh, you know, progress. We have actually voiced that, that, you know, the bilateral track should remain the main one and that could be as a supplementary if it works. So in the end, it didn't work. We, we saw it wasn't really working. We realized that we were not doing the, the right thing and, and that's what we, um, we saw. And the second thing, the, the third thing probably, uh, was that um, we also saw that it was, um, it was a format where we were put into a situations where we needed to compete unnecessarily, while actually everybody was facing the same problem, access to China's market, you know. But, uh, you know, there were those vague uh, sort of uh, semi-formal proposals about a separate FTA, which I think is incredibly uh, inept, uh, where you have European Union members and, and we are a single trading bloc. You know, we can't be signing any sort of separate FTAs. Then there was an idea about some sort of a simplified customs procedures for the members of this format, which is, again, you know, customs is an exclusive competence. 
So there were those ideas about, you know, sort of playing us against each other, which we felt was unhelpful because we basically the attention of countries were diverted from the main problem, access. It's my understanding that first Vilnius uh, sort of quietly withdrew and then later um, felt compelled to say so publicly. And then China apparently took some punitive actions against Lithuania. So what were those actions? Well, that was a sort of a gentleman's agreement initially because it was the Chinese uh, colleagues who have asked us if we were no longer taking part we would please be doing it quietly, uh, which we did uh, for a, a couple of months, uh, three months, actually. We uh, we sort of n- took a no participation policy. Uh, unfortunately, we felt that uh, this was not respected by the other side because our flag was always there. Our institutions were invited behind the government's back to attempt uh, to attend various events. And the number of events proliferated because of the uh, online nature of events, it was no longer possible to be meeting, you know, alive, which is a, a, a rather serious commitment, but it's, it's a, relatively easy to host one event after another online, which was done, in fact, with our flag, uh, with various symbols of the country, uh, which we felt was, um, well, not respecting an obligation of the other side. And the second thing that, you know, it's a not, a, not a formal uh, format. So it's not an organization. So you don't really enter so in a formal way, but you don't depart from it in a formal way. So that's why to receiving several, uh, I mean, you know, pieces of information about, again, being present with our flag and empty seat in, in that format, the minister went public about the decision of the government to no longer take part in, in, in this cooperation mechanism. So I know your country produces high quality wheat, and that was one of the products that you hope to export to China. But in early 2020, I understand that China claimed that the wheat was uh, contaminated. Um, This episode reminds me of similar instances where China claimed that tropical fruit from the Philip that it was exporting to China was infested. Um, Taiwan has had problems with uh, apples and pineapples that the Chinese uh, claimed also had some kind of infestation. Um, What happened in your country's case? Well, I don't know the details of the other cases, so I don't make uh, a pronouncement on that, but I definitely know in in detail what happened to the Lithuanian wheat, because we've been, uh, in fact, negotiating the export certificate for for this week for for several years. And it was, in fact, signed during the 16 plus 1 summit, the the last uh, live uh, 16 plus 1 summit, where the format became 17 plus 1, in fact, with adhesion of, of Greece. We signed it in April 2019, and um, it was in fact an agreement or sort of a, a procedure in waiting because our wheat moved to China immediately, and that did contribute to our um, you know volumes of export, which of course we were quite happy. It was a significant addition, and hundreds of millions uh, euros uh, uh, value. However, uh, next year, and again this is the year after. Uh, the incident I referred to because we had to tell Chinese government that what we had on our soil wasn't acceptable and we were hoping it's it's the first but the last uh, incident of, of that sort. But we felt that uh, we were put into some sort of a group of um, sort of unfriendly countries or something because pressure started accumulating on several instances. 
But, you know, pressure started accumulating on our own government in the country because suddenly the NGOs uh, that were vocal about support for human rights and, you know, democratic ideas in, in China and in Hong Kong especially, they started getting vocal with the pressure to the government to be also uh, open about uh, supporting uh, universal uh, human rights and so on. So we had uh, hundreds of people signing a letter, a petition to the government, uh, asking them to be, uh, you know, defending the values uh, in, in international formats and so on. And one of the things that came into focus as pandemic started in March 2020 was the possibility for the Taiwanese to be involved in the work of um, WHO at expert level. Uh, because they were the first who handled the pandemic right. And the rest of the world was really looking at them, you know, how to share their experience. So it happened so that my foreign minister, the previous um, foreign minister, was speaking to Mr. Tedros, the head of the World Health Organization, and they invoked this issue uh, about, uh, in fact, finding the solution or finding the way to involve the Taiwanese experts, not the government, not the membership, but just experts' participation, this happened on one day and on next day, our wheat was banned. So, well, you just need to connect the dots because uh, the fungus that was discovered in the wheat was, uh, in fact, never had never been registered in Lithuania, had never been described. And more so if we're talking about the obligations and the legal side, you know, the potential funguses and viruses are normally put into those protocols. So this was not the infection of the fungus that was in the document. So we felt uh, that it was uh, probably a signal or a punitive measure to signal their displeasure about that, uh, you know, word of mentioning of the Taiwanese expertise. Uh, so our exports um, of wheat had been stuck since then. It's been, what, over two years now that we are no longer exporting our wheat. Well, it went elsewhere. It's a high quality wheat, as you mentioned. So, you know, not that we are crying in particular, but you can imagine if there is a very serious dependency, you know, on this market, this could have been um, um, a really big problem for, for any other country. So to us, it was an early warning that things can get, you know, that way. And the next government that came into power soon after, uh, we announced that policy of diversification of markets, not to be reliant on single markets, especially on non-democratic markets that maybe using, you know, those um, those methods of, of, of pressurizing countries on uh, issues of common good, you could say, or political issues, or whatever you call. And then I haven't answered your question on the um, how China reacted to our withdrawal. I can say that our businesses did feel the effect. So some of our exporters felt that by having uh, problems in the customs in China. However, it was not sort of fully stopped or it was not systematic yet. At the same time, our embassy had been subject to pressure by, you know, excluding it or disinviting it from various events in Beijing, which is again a, a usual uh, recipe, I guess, uh, that is used to, to, to pass signals to certain countries and governments. Well, diversification uh, of, of your exports obviously was a key policy in many countries in the world, I think, now have drawn the lesson that they need to ensure that they're not overly dependent on the Chinese market. But in the case, of course, of Lithuania, the fact that its exports to China have been very small 
um, still has not fully protected it from the negative consequences of uh, of China's uh, pressure. And so that brings me, of course, to the episode of the opening of the Taiwanese representative office uh, in Lithuania, uh, which uh, the office itself was not unusual uh, because Taiwan has representative offices throughout Europe and the rest of the world. Uh, they use different names, uh, but in uh, the European Union countries, uh, I believe that uh, the the name is that has been used has been the Taipei Representative Office. So that was something that was new. And uh, I believe that, that the Chinese tried to head off this outcome, uh, but they were not able to have an influence uh, on, on the name. And uh, immediately um, there was the beginning of pressure on Lithuania. But I know at the time, uh, some U.S. officials I talked to predicted that uh, Lithuania wouldn't really be adversely affected because of the fact that only about 1% of its exports go to China. But uh, the, the Chinese got creative. So maybe you can talk a little bit about how they got creative, what, what's been the impact um, on Lithuania's uh, economy. Um, I know this is still an ongoing episode, so one of great interest, I think, uh, to all of our, all of our listeners. Well, so if we go back to the timeline, I mentioned already July, August time when the intentions to open the Taiwanese office were were aired by, by Taiwan and were welcomed by, by Lithuania. Systemic obstacles to our exports started then immediately. Also, China canceled the direct uh, train that was uh, going to Lithuania, you know, once a week cargo train. Um, and uh, certainly the, the, there was an effect uh, on our exporters who, who got uh, the shock of, 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 of their you know, life and discovering that every product was, was getting stuck in the customs. We also uh, got signals from importers from China that um, selective uh, imports were already being obstructed. And uh, this was not about consumer goods that, you know, we import in every country, literally in the world imports a lot, but rather uh, selective types of materials and raw materials that are needed to our industries because we are a manufacturing uh, country also. Uh, but later on, as you said, uh, uh, the China got creative. And uh, the reason was probably because we, the government decided not to uh, not to obey to, to the pressure and to go on with the plans, basically not to prevent, not to ban uh, Taiwanese from, from uh, the declared uh, you know, opening of the office. So the real, um, we could call it a ban on trade, on, on exports, uh, was started on December 1st when the office of uh, Taiwanese representative office had actually opened. So we had those, you know, several months of, um, I guess, trying to pressurize us. And then the government said that, look, we may talk on many things, but we can't talk with a gun pointed at us. So it was unacceptable as a method and we went ahead. But two weeks later, and, and what happened was, in fact, a very interesting thing, because for a couple of days in December, uh, you know, Lithuania was taken off the list of countries in, in the customs in China, which was a mysterious thing. Uh, and um, it was, I mean, very short uh, measure, uh, the name reappeared immediately after. However, just as you choose that name, you know, from the drop-down menu, the 
import into China declaration gets stuck different ways with different customs, but the result would be the same. So clearly it was a systemic obstacle that was developed and ingrained in, into, uh, you know, uh, all the Chinese customs simultaneously. We, but we don't know exactly how and where, but apparently, you know, we started getting, you know, massive screenshots of, 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 of various uh, exporters uh, and some importers trying to, to clear their, their goods. And it was definitely a measure. Again, that was not uh, enough. And we had yet another step which alerted uh, the world, uh, the EU especially, because uh, two weeks later, the multinational companies who were actively um, manufacturing something in China and were importing components from abroad had their containers stopped uh, at China customs if the containers contained at least something Lithuanian, whether produced in Lithuania, you know, components. So uh, I think this is an unprecedented step, and, and that's something that, that worried a lot, uh, you know, everybody who is a trading nation, uh, because um, that was a that was a measure that was running counter to any basic uh, trade rule, you know, and uh, any uh, any country that is trading in today's world depends on those rules. So of course the alert and then the wake up call for everybody was was a really very strong one. And well, the result uh, was something we are very happy because the unity to uh, push back against such measure was immense. Um, um, and European Commission uh, was able, in fact, to build a case and uh, in WTO in a month's time, which is in a very record short time, despite the fact that a number of companies were hesitating to send us a document because. If you are in China, you may have second thoughts about, you know, complaining uh, publicly. Uh, so, yes, I think that was an extra step to something that China has been doing uh, before to a number of countries that you have mentioned. And that was something that made the, the trading nations shiver to the point. And the discussion really uh, was brought about that, you know, those red lines are really expanding and we need to do something about it. And then you left Beijing um, and you have been in Vilnius now for for nine months. So um, why did you leave? Well, I think there are two stages to that process. I left Beijing in, uh, in September because China has asked me to. At the same time, China has recalled uh, their ambassador for, for, for consultations so I don't think there is anything unusual in that, because if the two governments are having, a, you know, a spat or disagreement of a serious nature, that's something that they do. However, what happened next was probably, again, an unprecedented case. And I want to mention that specifically because uh, when the Taiwanese office uh, finally opened in Lithuania, China has officially downgraded, announced their official downgrading of our relations to the level of, of chargéd affairs which is, again, something that has been, uh, I mean, recorded in history, so it's not something unusual. But again, an extra step was taken. Uh, China has renamed the two embassies from embassies to offices of chargé d'affaires uh, or something like that. And there we have a problem because, uh, you know, you set up your diplomatic missions according to your law, and in our law, we don't have that type of offices. Uh, so we voiced our disagreement and protest against that saying that, you know, you can have an embassy headed by Chargé d'Affaires, but it still remains an embassy. We don't have 
other types of offices of, to serve that purpose. Neither does uh, international practice uh, show uh, of such offices, neither international law on diplomatic relations. So we disagreed, but despite that, uh, China has sent us a very strict note saying that in seven days' time, our uh, staff in Beijing had to return their IDs, which um, in our case, we have no visas for diplomatic and service passport, but the diplomatic IDs serve as, as a visa for us. So we suddenly realized that since we can't comply with uh, their decisions, um, you know, our embassy staff and family members remain in a very uncharted, uh, you know, situation, almost like illegally in China after, you know, the expiry of seven days time. So we've asked to at least postpone the, the you know, that deadline, which uh, didn't bring any results. And we evacuated everybody, you know, the living souls, including the cat from uh, from Beijing, because uh, we just thought that, you know, that we were running into a, a very difficult situation with our people in there, you know. Uh, without documents, and China Customs uh, refused to um, process our diplomatic cargo, saying that there was no longer an embassy there, so we, they couldn't do anything. And, uh, you know, we were ejected from all the systems as a, as a legal entity. So, in a way, you can't do anything. You can't even send a note verbal to the MFA because they no longer, uh, you know, recognize you as, a, as an entity. So we had to, um, well, call everybody home and we are now running an online embassy, you know, trying to do the little things that is possible in that situation. But uh, we are hoping that, you know, now that we are all fine, you know, we can have our long uh, talks and we are doing precisely this to find some sort of a solution. And I think I'm sure we, we will have it because, you know, the bottom line is we may have disagreements, but our position is also that we have not violated that one China policy to which we subscribe. We did not establish official relations with Taiwan. We have not recognized Taiwan. And when they've invoked that protest against uh, Lithuania, they have only indicated that we violated the spirit, but not the word or the letter of our commitments. So we may argue, you know, we continue to talk about the spirit and we also thought that, you know, some spirit was violated by, by China before, you know, penalizing us for something we thought was our sovereign right. So now we we are keen and open to talk about this and to clarify that, you know, uh, both sides may have concerns, but we need to talk these things out. But coercive measures are, are, are really not acceptable. One of the things that's really struck me is how the history of Lithuania has really shaped how it has responded uh, to Chinese pressure and coercion. So I wonder if you could, I'm sure we could do a whole podcast on that topic, but maybe you could just explain a little bit about how your history with the former Soviet Union has influenced the way you've responded to Beijing. It's a, it's a separate topic, and in, in, in I'm sure we could talk hours about this. We do, do have that sentiment. Pressure is not just uh, not working, but it's very counterproductive because we have had enough of pressure previously, you know, in our history and a rather, you know, uh, recent history. Uh, lots of symbolism is there also because, you know, on the day when this um, protest and counter-protest happens, we were uh, in uh, the capital of Lithuania, but also other Baltic states. We were celebrating 30 years of our, uh, you know, the so-called Baltic way, that the human chain that was built uh, spontaneously 
from uh, Estonian capital down to Lithuania's capital. So this whole incident with some, uh, you know, uh, people coming and telling the others not to protest, not to have a say on happening on a very symbolic day where we were celebrating precisely the you know, our, our will and our unity and resolve to fight for, for sovereignty and independence, but also freedom of expression, you know, uh, we, we found it very unfortunate, but also very symbolic that we needed to take it seriously. So, you well, you could say that, you know, you're penalized. Of course, the government had uh, felt a lot of pressure and, and, and the pressure is still on. It's not over. You know, we could, if you ask me about the figures, I wouldn't probably be able to give you the figures because we need to count in the in the longer perspective. But, you know, I don't know who said that, you know, that, yes, these things may be costly, but that sovereignty is priceless. So, you know, you need to, to wait one against each other and, and calculate the cost. But, uh, you know, in discussions that we had with the Chinese colleagues, we tried to explain that this doesn't work. And we felt that they were trying to prevent us from having any office of Taiwan whatsoever name, you know, just because the things were different. We were told that, yes, other countries had those offices uh, because uh, they came in a different time. China was different now. So those others, they made mistakes, but we would not be allowed to make mistakes. You know, at some point you need to make your own mistakes probably to be able to respond for them. But but nobody else can, can, can force those decisions on you. And, and mind you, you know, with this um, attachment to sovereignty and to that uh, feeling of, of, of dignity that sometimes I think, you know, it's been tried to, to compromise it. Um, you you are constantly you know bombarded with this disinformation that we receive from China about um, well Lithuania being a lapdog of U.S. Uh, implementing U.S. agenda. I certainly understand how it is viewed because China tends to view everything through that you know great power um, lens. But I have to say that it was a purely national decision which was done with a lot of, you know, many of those components and the history of pressure calculated into it, but also probably, you know, as you rightly pointed out, past and recent past experience. This has just been a fascinating discussion and, and, and I think there's much to be learned from Lithuania's experience, but I wonder um, if you could just maybe draw some lessons, implications for for other countries, uh, what 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 can we learn about how China treats smaller states? How countries can protect their interests, their sovereignty? How countries can build leverage um, uh, against China? Are there specific lessons that that you think we can draw? Uh, certainly, there are. We became a lab of, of pressure, but at the same time, probably a lab of finding responses to various types of, of pressure. And I think, as I said, you know, you need to calculate your your cost of or pricelessness of of your sovereignty first. So each country has its 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 own recipe, probably. But the over dependence on 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 a, a big country where decisions are taken by undemocratic means would uh, would 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 precisely pose that sort of uh, challenges. And I can only say that, uh, you know, China turns out to be, you know, the one who definitely has a very important role in, in the global economy, but it also had, it has the power and the will to use that power for pressurizing other countries. 
um, uh, and and we need to mind it, you know, by, by building relationship that, you know, it would need to be calculated at some point against the benefit that, that you are getting. So uh, definitely um, less of dependence, uh, less of vulnerabilities would make any relationship with China much, much stronger. And that definitely needs to be, and especially for smaller countries, because we have seen that the countries tend to be treated differently. And had we been a bigger country, probably the outcome would have been uh, also different. <laughs> We've been talking with Ambassador Diana Mitzgavichinye from Vilnius, where she continues to serve as Lithuania's ambassador to China. Thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you for approaching me.